This is Recovery Revolution Live. The episode that you're about to hear is live and unedited. If you're interested in watching the live stream, head over to facebook.com slash recoveryrevolution100. We record a new episode every Monday night starting at 7 p.m. Central Time. All right, guys, and welcome to the show today. My name is Carl, and we have a wonderful show going for you. And welcome to the Recovery Revolution live stream on Facebook. We want to thank everybody for joining us today. We have an amazing show lined up for you. I am the host and the creator of the Drunken Worm Podcast. And as always, we have Brett with us and the lovely Ashley. And today's guest is going to be Matt. And Brett, I'm going to hand it off to you, brother, and I'll let you introduce our guest for this podcast today. All right. Awesome. Thank you for that. I love the Christmas music that you threw in there, Carl. That was great. Good stuff, man. I'm Brett. I also host another podcast called Recovery Survey. You guys probably already know about it if you've tuned into the live stream before. It, it airs every Wednesday uh, this week. Who's on this week? I can't remember. Oh, uh, uh, I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but we're talking about grief and loss in recovery. So it's a good one. Be sure to tune into that. And we're joined by the lovely Ashley Grimes once again. And without further ado, our guest tonight is named Matthew Bowersax. He's the founder and director of operations at Learn to Live Recovery. He has a bachelor's degree in social work a master's degree in social work. He was the president of Studel, Studel, Student Social Work. <laughs> I can't even talk, man. Uh, he has four years of substance abuse treatment experience. He holds credentials in Missouri. Unfortunately, he's a St. Louis Blues fan, and uh, he's celebrating wow. 11 years sober today. Welcome, Matthew. Nice. Oh, man. Oh, thank you for that that <laughs> warm introduction, Brett. Yeah, <laughs> let's stars. let's go Blues first. That's of all. right. Congratulations oh, on man. eleven years. Yeah. Like, oh, thank you. Yeah, I was telling Brett before the show. It just it still just feels surreal that it's been that long. Um, you know that after that that first year, it was just you know more and more gifts, more and more things that I got from my recovery. And um, it's hard to believe that it's it's been over a decade. And, you know, I get the opportunity now to help people new in recovery. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very involved, even outside of Learn to Live in, in the 12-step the rooms. Um, I sponsor men in the program. Um, recovery really has given me uh, a life beyond my wildest dreams. I'm so happy that there are platforms like this where we can talk about it and show people that it's possible. Recover Absolutely. out loud. Yeah. yeah, that's that's really awesome, man. So, so Matt, Brett said that you also work in the recovery field. Um, can you tell us what that's like for you, being a, a person in recovery and then also being able to kind of work on the other side of, of the, uh, the coin, so to speak. Yeah. You know, I, I actually, um, initially after getting sober, um, I had, you know, close to a year and I realized I wanted to go back to school. And when I went back to school, it was not for social work or for anything related to, to treatment or, you know, recovery centers or, or therapy or anything like that. 
um, I was led to that later because I didn't think that I could work and and live, you know, my recovery together. But um, once I was I was led kind of to over to the social work world, I realized that my story could be a powerful example to the people that I would be working with. And um, it's a true balance, though. If I'm being honest, I have to be selfish with my time. I have to make sure that I hit my meetings. I make my phone calls. Um, I'm still being of service. And I do all of that separate from what I do at Learn to Live. Um, you know, Brett was talking about Learn to Live for a minute. It's my structured sober living program in Missouri. And, um, you know, I love working with the guys, one on one groups, all the activities and stuff we get to do. We get to go to Blues games, Brett. And we get to see him win. Oh, man, it's great. But it, it is a true balance. You know, I, I've seen people have trouble with um, kind of that work-life balance. Maybe they get out of their program for a while and struggle. Uh, but for me, after about my first year into it, once I realized what my maintenance was, um it really allowed me to grow in my recovery, but also use my recovery as a way to prop some people up when they're early on. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, you know, that's where, where you talked about that work-life balance. I, I think that that's so um, important for anybody in recovery, right? If, if you're a, a person that works maybe in the recovery field, um, but also maybe just a person in recovery and, and maybe you work another job that you have passion for and stuff. Um, I, I can totally relate to that because I, I also work in the recovery field and it was tricky for me to learn that balance because they talked about it all the time in school, right? You know, you got to have balance. You got to, you know, have a life outside of work and you have to have your, your work cap that you take off. And that you leave at the door, right? And it was it was really interesting for me to kind of learn how to do that. And it took me a while to kind of adjust to that. Did you find that it took you a while to, to adjust to it at all? Or, or did it come pretty naturally for you? No, there was definitely an adjustment period. Um, I like to describe alcoholics and addicts as all gas, no brakes. <laughs> um, whatever we do it, we do it all the way. Yeah. And that was me. You know, I, I got my first my first job as, as an intern at a treatment center in St. Louis. And, you know, I just threw myself into it. And I and I maybe didn't um, even realize that it was happening. But before I realized that I hadn't been to a meeting in months mm -hmm. and I felt, you know, that burnout happen, Yeah, you know, and I felt you know, depressed and like low energy. And it was just, it was a nightmare feeling. And I, and I hadn't really felt that way in a long time. Cause I was, you know, kind of like on fire, you know, when it came to, to kind of the recovery aspect of my life, but it, it was definitely a learning curve. You know, it was a wake up call. Luckily I work with a guy who works for me now, uh, David O'Neill, who, you know, kind of pulled me aside and, and talked to me about it and took me to a meeting and, um, you know, kind of after that point, when I kind of got a taste of the bad or the bad taste in my mouth, um, I really take it seriously now because I know that I, I don't even want to go back to feeling that way. You know, mm -hmm. I definitely don't want to go back to using again, but that feeling is still no fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, and it, and it really kind of boils down to being able to deal with our feelings and our emotions and our, you know, and, and how we process things. Right. And I, and, and, and not to interrupt it, guys, I've seen the chat room blow up here and we've got um, some folks here that are just a few days sober. Um, guys, welcome to the, to the show, man. Uh, yeah, Vince, Vince, three days, three days. Three days. That's amazing. Congratulations. Got two. two days up here. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for joining us today, guys. And, and I, I hope that, you know, by listening to this show and being able to interact with us a little bit, um, you're, you're going to get something that that will help you uh, keep going tomorrow and the following days. And um, Julian, uh, congratulations. 132 days from Australia. Um, that's amazing. Great work out there. I'm slightly jealous of, uh, of, of being in Australia, but that's okay. We're here in California. Well, I'm in California. These guys are over. They, they're in the snow. Well, not Ashley. She's <laughs> from Florida. <laughs> it's warm here. Yeah, exactly. Ashley, it's warm there. Yeah. So, and Shelly, welcome back. Uh, good to see you again. So, so yeah, man. Um, but, but Matt, that's, that's really amazing. And congratulations on 11 years, man. That's, so amazing. Could you have imagined 10 years ago being where you are now? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, you know, I, I had to get sober young. I got sober at 20 years old. Mm. Um, it got bad for me quick. And and don't let my gray hair fool you. I'm only 31. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, back then, I couldn't even imagine, you know, holding down a job or finishing school or having a family, you know, let alone, you know, all the other great blessings that recovery has given me, you know, like when I, when I did the podcast with Brett afterwards, we were talking and uh, we both had a daughter around the same time. I had a daughter this year. Uh, her name's Magnolia. She's beautiful. I, I got married uh, in 2020. Um, to, to an amazing woman that supports me, um, and my, and my sobriety. Um, you know, like my, my dad will, will always say, man, I, I thought for sure you were going to end up in jail. I never thought that you would, you would graduate from college, let alone twice. You know, like <laughs> I, it, I was, I was a horrible student. I was a handful of a kid. Um, I thought I knew better than everyone else. <laughs> and, um, just, you know, a decade later, I could have never even dreamed to have the life that I have today. Yeah. Wow. That, that really kind of puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Um, yeah. I, I, I think that for at least the, the, the four of us that are on the stream, um, you know, and I, I don't want to talk for anybody else, but uh, we have definitely seen the power of working a program of recovery and the power of being able to learn about ourselves and, and understand ourselves better. We, we talked a little bit about that last week, you know, just, and uh, it's, it's really amazing to, to feel that love. Um, Jessica was saying that, you know, on, on right now, she was saying that she's very emotional right now. And Jessica, that's, that's great. Feel those emotions. We want you to feel those, right. Cause it's so important to be comfortable with those emotions. And we're just so happy that you're here today. 
So, so Matt, tell us, tell us, so what, what do you do in the recovery field exactly? What, what, what is your, your niche or your title or? Oh yeah. So I, I, I guess my title is founder and director of operations, but I, I technically own and operate a structured sober living, um, just outside St. Louis in a, in a town called Herman, Missouri. Um, it's called learn to live recovery. Um, we, we really want to teach and um, show these guys that they can live a recovery lifestyle, you know, where you can have fun in recovery. You can learn new skills. You can have a passion for what you do occupationally. Um, we can feel these feelings like they're like Jessica's talking about and in a healthy way, we don't have to hide from them anymore. Um, and so, really structured sober living to me is um higher education for sobriety um a lot of these guys a lot of our guys have been through treatment programs multiple um they come to us because they want to try something different and you know with inside of what we do and i could talk all day about it um i think the the, the biggest thing is um all the overlooked um pieces of an alcoholic and an addict we feel more than the typical person um we we have strong emotions um we we have strong feelings and we when given the chance in recovery we can do amazing things with that um, we can become extremely passionate people in whatever line of work thing you want to do it doesn't really matter um and that's what I stress with my guys is don't don't settle for what you think you're capable of. No. Um, recovery is the beginning. It can give you so many great things. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I think it's really uh, good that you said, you know, not to settle for the things that you think that you're capable of. Because one thing that I've learned in recovery, and, and, and I'm sure that, you know, Brett and Ashley have also experienced the same things. And if you want to chime in on this, guys, that would be great. But, like, I've realized that, I put lim limitations on myself when I came into recovery. I said, well, you know, I hadn't gone to school in 20 years, and so I'm going to be horrible at school. Why would I be any good at school? Because I failed at it before. But when I tried to go back to school and I went back to school, it was an amazing experience, and I actually excelled more than I did in college than I had in high school. And I was, I was better at it. And, and I don't know exactly why I always say it's like life experience or something, but you know, but what I've learned is that if I've decided to put my mind to something, I can get that done, man. And, and it's usually not that difficult to do, but it's when we hold fear into our hearts and we let fear guide our emotions and we let fear of failure hold us back from our success that's the part that's really hard. And that's the part, the big hurdle that I had to get over. I think for me, it was shame. I just had such low self-esteem. And as I got further into my recovery and further into things, my self-esteem built and I started to believe that I deserved to have dreams. So that was hard for me at first. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the fear thing, the fear aspect is something that I hit home with my guys is because, you know, fear is, is kind of what keeps us from things. Um, you know, like for me, I had such a fear of failure and, and like you, 
such a fear that like going back to school wasn't an option for me because I was a horrible student. Um, you know, that that getting a job and holding it was gonna have to be enough for me, that I couldn't do more. Um and you know, by walking through that fear with support, it's given me the opportunity to accomplish things that um I never thought was even on <laughs> even possible. Um, you know, school just being one of them. You know, I, I started a business during a pandemic, you know, that to tell me, tell me somebody who wouldn't be scared of that, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, I think what we forget is that during active addiction, I mean, to live that long in active addiction, you can't be stupid. You have to be able to have hustle. And I mean, when you put those things towards productive things, it's amazing what you can do. Oh, yeah. And that's, and that's what I, I love to preach it. You know, I'm obsessed with, you know, like the, the self-improvement process. Um, you know, I, I love to, to read self-help books, motivating things, that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, alcoholics and addicts are, you know, we have all of these tools. We use them to survive before, you know, we're, we're hard workers. We're detail oriented. We're, we're very personable. We can we can get along with just about anybody. A lot of times, the the sense of humor thing um, comes along with that. And with these these tools directed in the right way, um, you know, with with you know a program of recovery, um, you can do anything you set your mind to. Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. <laughs> Brett, have you experienced some of the same stuff? Like, um, you know, did did you ever have fear hold you back from something? And like, but then when you got into recovery, you just kind of like work past that and then realize that you can succeed at that. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, I was a little distracted. I was trying to grab my phone. I was sending Vincent no a message. He'd asked if anybody would give their number out. I didn't want to put my cell phone number in the chat, but I, uh, I sent oh, yeah. him a message with my number. Um, yeah, for sure. Fear can definitely play a huge part i mean just getting into recovery was was fearful like anything what is that is that uh -oh. is that my mic That's, that is you sir oh wow that sounded really weird uh, <laughs> that was like some kind of alien voice there for a minute yeah that was really cool i've never do that before um yeah <laughs> I mean, just getting, just getting, just starting the recovery journey to me was, was centered in fear. I mean, just the fear of the unknown, not knowing what to expect, not knowing how to live life without drugs. Like everything about it was, was wrapped up in fear for me because I, I had gotten to a point in my life where I, everything revolved around drug use. I, I went, I got high and went to work. I went on break at, at work and got high. I came home from work. I got high. It was like everything I did, any kind of, uh, I mean, a very limited like social life once I got deep into my addiction, but like anytime before I'd be in any kind of social situation, got to get high. Like, so yeah, there's tons of fear of just that unknown of not knowing what life is going to be like not using. And I mean, I'm sure there's so many different, there's so many different levels of fear in recovery, yeah. man. There's, yeah yeah absolutely yeah fear is fear is definitely something that can they can hold us back like you said the fear of unknown or, the, or just the 
the the fear of you know part of my fear was success like when so when i when i took my job over at um duffy's and uh calistoga i really had a fear like i seriously would drive up to the gate and I, I would sit there and punch my code in and and i would sit there and i would think to myself like am i gonna get fired today because i don't really think that i'm qualified to be working here because you know i i came from like a a county facility that was doing drug medical and um you know these it was a it was specifically a low-income um type of facility to help people that didn't didn't have the means to go into a treatment program and then i i took a job with a um a private company and um I'm, if you guys are familiar with um acadia healthcare uh they're they're pretty big uh throughout the u.s and um so i i worked for um, acadia healthcare and like I would really sit there and I would just doubt myself so much because I looked at all these people around me who had multiple years of recovery and all of this time and they had all these degrees on the walls and everything. And here I was, you know, just coming out of my internship. Um, I, 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 I wasn't even licensed or credentialed at the time. I just had my registration and, and, you know, and they're, they're giving me my own office. Um, and like all these other really uh, cool things. So, you know, it, that really put some doubt in my head, like, can I do this? But the truth was that, yeah, I can do this. And they wouldn't have hired me if they didn't think that I could, if I couldn't do this. Well, while we have a little, I'm oh, sorry, Ashley, I was just going to tell everybody that's watching about the giveaway tonight in case anyone is interested while there's a little lull in the conversation, we are we're doing a giveaway from Stay Stopped, which is tonight's sponsor, and they have graciously offered to give us give away this awesome zip up Stay Stopped hoodie. So if you are interested in your chance to win this awesome hoodie that you see on the screen, all you have to do is comment hashtag Stay Stopped in the comments, and you will be entered in for a chance to win that hoodie. All right, sorry Ashley, back to you. Okay, fine. <laughs> I, I still struggle with that sometimes what Carl was talking about is every time there's like an award or an achievement, I'm like, I want to hide behind something so that I'm like, you know, now there's all this pressure. It's like, what if I mess up again? What if I, you know, it's, I think, it's, you know, but I think that keeps me accountable too, because I know that one wrong decision and I can be right back where I was. So it's a good and it's bad at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And and JR even mentioned that fear is a dream killer. Dude, that's that's so right, man. Is that fear is definitely a dream killer. So yeah. So if you guys are out there and you want to do something in life, man, become educated on it. You, you know, lay everything out and do a pros and cons list. Um, you know, you can see, you know, if, if you go out and you want to do something uh you know do you do you have the space to do it right now in your own life and what are the benefits going to be and what are some of the stuff that might not benefit you because every decision we make is going to have pros and cons it's not always going to be a positive 110 percent experience 100 percent of the time so i always tried to make myself as educated as possible when it came to making life decisions or even not really even life decisions like you know what um, uh, no, I don't have a good example, <laughs> but you know, just decisions in general. And, and it's come pretty easy now that I can like lay it all out and, and do all that. So, 
And I think doing it scared is important too. You don't have to be a hundred percent confident. Just yeah. do it. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, and it's start too, right? Like it's, it's, you know, the hardest part about doing anything is starting. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I remember when I was, I was going back to school, I was in a, a community college here in St. Louis and just kind of toiling around, like taking classes. I was terrified to transfer to a university. Um, you know, part of that was afraid that I would get denied or like that they would say, no, I don't think so. Um, but the other thing was, it was just like, I was just so fearful that I would fail. There were so many unknowns. And, you know, luckily I had, I had a lot of supports in my life at the time that told me that this is where my life was headed. And, and I, you know, made the call and, and got in, you know, but the, the hardest part about doing anything is starting, you know, like the hardest part about going to the gym in the morning is, is putting your shoes on. Yeah. Me. <laughs> getting, getting out of bed is the hardest part for me and and then convincing myself to put my shoes on. But once I'm actually, so once I actually get my shoes on and I'm like walking down the stairs to go outside, um, it's, it's relatively autopilot, but even for me, it's like, like, Oh man, do I really want to get out of bed right now? Cause it's so comfortable. And I don't have to deal with the cold like you guys do where you probably have to warm your car up for 45 minutes before you get into it. Oh yeah. Oh, um, thanks. Thanks, Amber. Amber saying that I'm the I'm the most obvious intellectual she's ever met, and she's a teacher, so she's not just my <laughs> wife. So she would give me shit in public too. That's, that's fantastic, and and we appreciate her for that. So thank you, you Amber. We we really appreciate that for you. Um. <laughs> uh, my so, my wife will be in the comments giving me shit here in a minute when I play the uh, electric yeah, kazoo. I'm I'm kind of surprised that she hasn't chimed in yet, Brett. This is good. <laughs> Give them crap and be yeah, nice to exactly. me. That's how this should work. Yes, yes. We're gonna make this Ashley's show. It's gonna be all about Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, also, I think you know, Amber. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, yeah. but uh, you know, one of the things too is is us as you know people in recovery. When we were using, we pretty much like blew up everything we touched. Right. Like we, mm -hmm. we, we couldn't, we couldn't, you know, live life on life's terms. So when we get sober, part of us still thinks that's all we're capable of doing. Yeah. And, you know, Amber always told me that she thought I was, I was smart and that I, that I always mm -hmm. could have done it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I never thought that, you know, that's, that's my, that's my perception. That's, that's the little guy in my head that, you know, I always talk about, um, that guy in my head that, that that thing that never stops mm -hmm. and um now i have you know so many tools and ways of dealing with it but back when i was using that would my mind was constantly constantly going and it was not fun to be there in yeah. there you know and i i think that's a common theme for a lot of us too is that negative self-talk mm -hmm. we don't know what to do with it and it turns into beliefs about ourselves that we don't think we can break yeah yeah, absolutely. You know, those belief, that belief system that we've ingrained in ourselves. And it, it's not necessarily even the belief system that we're born with, too, because that's a whole separate belief system that we have. But when we become addicted and we start living this lifestyle, we take on this characteristic and these traits that we 
think that we need to have just to survive. And that becomes our belief system. And so now when you come into recovery, you have to take that belief system and you have to say, okay, how much of this is actually true? And how much of this is false? Mm-hmm. Because a majority of it is going to be false because these are things that we're telling ourselves that, you know, oh, either I need to act this way or either I need to feel this way or, you know, um, you know, my belief is that I'm not capable of doing anything. One of my beliefs in my addiction was that I summed my life up as being an addict. That was what I was going to do. I was going to have a job that didn't go anywhere and I was going to do drugs all the time. And that was like, I was okay with that for a long time. And it wasn't until I almost died that it like yanked me out of that belief system and said, you know, there could be a potential different way to go about doing things. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love belief systems. Like it's, I, I love when clients come in and like, Oh man, I got this belief system. And I'm like, all right, you know, let's, let's talk about that. Right. So I was, it was, we did a whole, almost a whole semester on belief systems in college. And um, man, that was, it was such an interesting class to, it was like a big debate almost, you know, like you would have one person here and, and the teacher would say, okay, this is going to be your belief system and you need to sell it against this person over here. And um, yeah, it was really cool, man. Really cool. I know when I first got into recovery, my therapist made me look in the mirror and I had to say affirmations to myself and I felt mm. so stupid doing it. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And I fought it for probably a year. And then I just listened and did it. And it, I felt stupid, but it does help a little bit too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those affirmations are really, the, those, those are, um, without using a pun, they're positive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, really helpful, right? Affirmations. And I don't know. Do you guys use, okay, let's ask everyone in, in the chat and on, on the stream with us. How do you guys feel about using affirmations? What? is what have you done as far as affirmations? And I know there's going to be a delay, so we'll let them start chiming in here. JR likes your pun. <laughs> yeah, I know. A He's got fired. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Did you see the thing about the Matrix? That was good. Yeah, let me put that back yeah. up there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Neo didn't believe uh, for three quarters of the first Matrix. <laughs> and he was in it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, where is Jeff to back you up? I don't know where he's at tonight. <laughs> but as far as affirmations go, um, I love affirmations. I, you know, I, I use them. Um, there are some, a lot of times what I, you know, what I tell my guys to do. And, and sometimes it's affirmations and sometimes it's more of like a grounding technique for myself. Like I'll put, you know, like posted notes in my truck or my wallet or something just to remind me that, um, you know, like it could be, you know, like I'm worth it one day, yeah. or it, it could be, um, you are enough or you can do this or, um, you know, I am loved or whatever it is, you know, that cause constant positive reinforcement does change how you see the world. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, uh, because, you know, we tell ourselves so many things internally, you know, that, that self-talk, be it positive or negative self-talk. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that tape plays more in my head than it does talking to somebody about it. 
because I could be sitting in my car and I'm thinking to myself, man, why did I do that? What was I thinking? You know, how could you be so stupid? And, you know, but if I talk to somebody about it now, I have somebody to bounce it off of and they're like, okay, but you're not stupid. You know, you're worth something. And, and it was, it was a choice. Yes, but we can move past this and help me with it. But sometimes sitting in that, and that self-talk in my head is, is where I like to sit sometimes because as damaging as that can do, it's also kind of some of that comfort that I'm used to, you know, and uh, maybe it's that an internal thing that I hold on to a little bit with, with the process of, of being in recovery. And, um, you know, it's like that, it's like that client that you get and, and it's, um, I, I had a client come in and it was over at Duffy's and, um, he said the most amazing thing. So he was, he was super emotional and it was just so, so lovely to see. And, um, and he kept asking for like melatonin. He wanted to go to bed and we told him, no, it was too early for melatonin. And so, and then he, he said, well, well, can, can I, can I get, um, can I get some uh, medication for um, allergies? And, <laughs> and I was at the desk and I was like, allergies. Yeah. What, what type of allergies do you have? And he was like, I'm, I'm really allergic to my emotions and I need to take something. For them. <laughs> and he oh, wanted like man. a Benadryl. And I was like, Oh, Oh, you poor, poor, poor person. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's let's talk about your emotions and um we'll see if we can make them feel a little bit easier for you so <laughs> I, I feel that though i'm allergic to my emotions too i have a hard yeah. time with them but you have to embrace them yeah you do it's 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 a necessity and that's hard yeah i'm seeing some good affirmations though coming in uh, i see my buddy bill simmons out there uh, I'll put it back up there for re you. Rewards and consequences are both self-serving. I don't know how many times I've heard that from my yeah. buddy Bill. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kevin is on there too. My buddy, I'm going to be be great today. Kev, Kevin's a, a solid, solid uh, recovery advocate as well. He does his oh. own life. Um, solid, solid guy. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. Today's gonna today's gonna be a great day, Jr. Thank yeah. you for that one. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, Shelly wrote, "I read a, read a read a positive quote every morning to start my day. It helps with all the negativity and ugliness, uh, ugliness in the world." Sorry, I don't mm -hmm. have my glasses on. <laughs> mm -hmm. It is, yeah. Thanks, right, we're we're working progress, not perfection, right? Hey, that's <laughs> my line. <laughs> <laughs> I love quotes. Yeah. Yeah. I love quotes. Quotes are amazing. I, I, in fact, I've even put quotes on my shirts and stuff for the podcast. I love, I love getting unique quotes and then like making like merchandise out of them because one of, I, I don't know, this one quote always stuck with me and it was my first NA convention that I went to and it was in San Jose, California. And, um, so if, if any of you aren't familiar with what a convention might feel like or look like, or, or something like that, um, especially now if you're new to recovery and maybe it's your first or second year of recovery. And because of the pandemic, we haven't been able to do our our usual yearly conventions and world convention and stuff like that. But 
it's it's probably one of the most amazing things that I've I've experienced in early recovery was was sitting in this convention and it was a Saturday night and we had the speaker from uh, Chicago and if you envision I don't even know how I could put this into words so that you kind of get the grandness of scale um, but but maybe take a football field without the bleachers and stuff but just the field part. And, and put it into an auditorium, right? And that's the, kind of the size that you're looking at um, as far as um, the length and the width of the um, auditorium. And it's just lined with seats, 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 seats all day, right? All the way to the back. And then you have television sets like about a quarter of the way down, halfway down, and then three quarters of the way down so that people could see the stage because the stage is so far away. And uh, one of the uh, amazing things that happens at this convention is they do a clean time countdown. And so they start, um, I think they start at 65 years and they work their way all the way down to one day. And, and you have this crowd chanting, keep coming back, keep coming back. And as they're getting down to the 30 days, um, they start counting one day at a time, keep coming back. And then people are standing up. And it was so amazing because when they got to one day, there was one guy that stood up at this convention and everybody stopped and they, they had these huge tablecloths where everybody was putting their clean date on there and all of that stuff. And they took all the tablecloths and they wrapped it around him with one day clean at this convention. And for me, that was so amazing because there were so many people in this room. I mean, probably 2000 people in this, in this, room chanting keep coming back i mean you could feel the floor just pulsing and the energy in the room and during that convention the um the speaker that was chairing the convention um said you know he would rather be sitting in uh the rooms of narcotics anonymous thinking about getting high than sitting in a dope house thinking about going to a meeting and for some reason that really stuck Mm. with me I could, it really put me in, put me back into the dope house where I was like, man, if I was here and I was thinking about going to a meeting, man, that would be really screwed up because boy, that would be really, that would suck. (laughs) For some reason that quote stuck with me and, and I, and I would remind myself of that in early recovery. If, if I ever thought about, you know, like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to go back out and use? And I'd be like, yeah, that would really suck. Um, you know, so uh, but if, if you guys have conventions out there and, and you have the ability to go to one, maybe in, in a year or six months, or I don't know if they're going to start back up again, please go. Um, because it can be that one thing that really pulls you into recovery and will keep you there. Yeah. Their conventions are really cool. Yeah. You know, I, I got a chance to go to one in early recovery when I was living in, uh, Connecticut. I was in sober living, living in Connecticut and, and we all went and it was kind of my first taste of really anything, you know, about the program that like wasn't a meeting or step work or something like that. And it was really cool, you know, watching the countdowns, you know, the, the circuit speakers, just, just having fun with a whole bunch of people that were like me. Yeah. And, um, you know, like you said, you, you never know what's going to resonate with you. You know, when I when I look back and um, and think about it, you know, really, it was just like a few guys here or there that I go back to 
and I and I'm just kind of reminded of the fact that I was there and um, it can be extremely motivating, but also remind you about how big of a community we have. Go anywhere in the world and you can find us. You know, how, how crazy is that? JR said, tell them about Mobilize. Mobilize is in Las Vegas and it was awesome. Um, but I think on what you were saying is that being out loud and being vocal about our recovery helps people know that we're everywhere and that we're there for them as well. And I think that's an important part too. Um, I know CCAR is going to be in Florida. Is it this coming week or I guess it's next week. I think the 10th. I don't know if any of you guys know about CCAR, but Mm -mm. no, I don't know about CCAR. CCAR or CCAR? CCAR. CCAR. C-A-R-R. R. Okay. Google it. (laughs) <laughs> right can you google that for us um i'm i'm a little technically uh, challenged when it comes to streaming yeah. say that one more time c car c car yeah c c a r it's okay use your words oh you froze my my internet is not happy that i'm trying to no no yeah. your internet, my internet's not happy that i'm trying to multitask super angry with you right now so they're, the, they're the ones that do um like recovery coaching the c car um, yeah. They do sober living facility credentials. Um, oh, okay. So they're having their big convention in Ponte Gorda, Florida. So it's like probably four or five hours south. Cool. Yeah. yeah let me try from my phone. Yeah. So C car. That's. Mm-hmm. And then that's Mobilize cool. was people from all over the United States. They went mm-hmm. to Las Vegas and learned how to advocate. Um, for rights for people in recovery to fight for things that their communities need. Did um, there were so many people there? Um, Tom Coderre was mm, there. Um, yeah. Ryan Hampton. Um, now that I'm on the spot, I'm not going to remember. But <laughs> it was just there's all kinds of stuff we learned, and it was amazing. I didn't want to go home because it's like you're around your people, and then you have to yeah. go back into the community and. It just, it feels different when you're with people that understand. Yeah, absolutely. That was kind of my experience with the whole, uh, my first convention was that like, I I knew that there was a recovery community out there. I didn't know it was so big. I didn't know that, you know, I was going to be in a room with like 2000 people. I mean, that's freaking crazy. So, and, and all of us were there for the, for the common goal of, of, you know, one more day in recovery, right? Um, and so, yeah, yeah. But people understand people that are, are like me, people that get me. All right. Here's the trivia question. Do you guys know how many people they estimate are in recovery in the United States? In, oh, in the U S not the world. In the U S. Okay. Okay. So, um, let's get people to guess in the comments too. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think? I have a guess and no Googling out there. All you Googlers. No Googling allowed. I, no I don't even know. Because this is one uh, of the big misconceptions. A lot of people. 23 million? Yeah, that's, that's right. What? Oh, no, they are. Well, I was going to guess oh, 25. Oh, yeah. I was going to guess like maybe like 15. And I was thinking that was going to be like really high. 
Oh, Heather has see Heather and I were thinking about the same 16 for her. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as of 2020, they were estimating that there was about 21 million in active addiction and about 23 million in recovery. Um, but now they're estimating 2021, that there's about 40 million people in the United States in active addiction. I believe it because uh, we have definitely seen an uptick on folks coming into our treatment centers, uh, with, you know, that four years ago wouldn't have been identified with a substance use disorder. And now they're coming in and they're saying, well, because of the pandemic and I had so much time at home and, you know, my boss isn't standing over me, I can, I can start my day off with a drink and coffee, or I can have, you know, a harder drink at lunch versus maybe wine or something like that. Um, so a lot of people, and then also people that, um, you know, have been on, uh, medications and, and stuff like that. A lot of opiate, uh, uh, use and everything too, uh, with, uh, opiate uh, medications. I've noticed it a lot cause I don't work in the recovery community every day. And, um, I've seen a lot of people come and talk to me about, you know, do you think that maybe I need to seek treatment because I, I need to drink to be able to go to sleep at night. Mm. Um, I've heard people say, you know, I used to smoke cottage, pot occasionally but now i'm doing it four or five times a day yeah. and it's one of those conversations you have to have that if you believe it's a problem and you believe that you need to seek treatment yeah. i i don't know what's normal for you or or what you need right yeah i mean if you're definitely thinking that what you're doing is a problem then it's it's good to talk to a professional it's good to have somebody diagnose you and see if you fit the criteria um and, and what level of treatment you uh, would be appropriate for you too. And guys, just so if anybody out there is in active addiction and you're listening to the show, um, welcome. We want to make sure that this is a safe place for you. Uh, we want to make sure that you guys understand that, you know, what we're talking about today is something that you can achieve. And also if you're still in active addiction or maybe you have some ambivalence, um, meaning that you're on, you're on the fence and, and you would go into what we call a harm reduction model where we say, well, you're going to, maybe you try to use less throughout the day and then maybe we can get you down to using nothing. Um, you know, seek that, seek that professional, professional help because you can always go into a, a different level of care. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go into residential treatment if you're in the early stages of addiction. Maybe um, an outpatient type of service would be appropriate for you. Maybe going to see a therapist who specializes in addiction treatment would be appropriate for you. It doesn't mean that you have to uproot your life necessarily to get help. There's different levels of help out there. And I think it's important for people to understand that because my whole view was when I went into treatment was that I was going to have to go and live somewhere to have treatment. But the reality of the situation was that I was diagnosed and, and I still don't really understand why they sent me to outpatient first. But now that I work in the field, I do. Um, but, you know, I started with outpatient and, and that was enough for me uh, to get me on track with um, now long term recovery. So. And I think that it's important to know there's a recovery community organizations um, 
in lots of different towns and lots of different cities all over the country. And sometimes a peer will be able to help you. They have help numbers that you can call. Um, just reach out. It doesn't mean that you have to go anywhere, but sometimes just mm -hmm. talking and opening the conversation. Yeah. That, that can, a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Matt. Go ahead. Oh, no worries. And, and a lot of people manning those phones um, are people like us. Right. Um, you know, they they can talk you through kind of the process. You know, one of the one of the most unfortunate things about treatment is you really don't know anything about it unless you have to. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if, if you know someone that's that's in recovery, obviously, you have the benefit of reaching out to them and seeing what's right for you. But you can try any number level of care. And then you really, if it doesn't work, you know, there's there's a lot of options out there for you. But that first phone call can make all the difference. And a lot mm -hmm. of times the people on the other side of those phones either have been affected by addiction in some way or in recovery themselves which can be, which for me was very comforting, you know, like the, when I went to treatment, um, and I obviously went like right after new year's, I had to, I had to, you know, get one more in there, but, yeah. <laughs> um, I was on the phone with the guy doing my intake, uh, questionnaire. He was asking me, uh, you know, like what kind of drugs did I do? How much did I do? Uh, how much did I drink per day? You know, all these kinds of things. And of course I told the truth the whole time, but, uh, <laughs> but he told me before he said anything else that he was in recovery himself and that he understood, you know, how hard this was. And, um, you know, thinking back, I just, uh, I was so much more comfortable knowing that. So I think it's important to mention that too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. All right, guys. And and for those of you that are just joining us today, we are um, joined uh, by Matt. And uh, Matt is a person in long-term recovery. He is also a recovery professional. And uh, we appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, my name is Carl. We have Brett on, um, Fear the Beard over there with the green hat. And we have the lovely Ashley uh, over there coming in live from Florida. So uh, thank you, everybody, for being here with us today. And um, Brett, I am going to sign off because I have a prior commitment. I'm meeting a sponsee and we're going to the Monday Night Miracles meeting in Vacaville, California. And um, it's a standing uh, appointment that I have with him. And then we're going to hit Black Bear Diner. And um, I, I have a lady at Black Bear Diner that supplies me with blue cheese dressing. And um, that's my new connect. Um, <laughs> and I've run out because I didn't, your choice. <laughs> I didn't go last week. And so, so the cupboard is dry from blue cheese dressing. And so I need to re-up. Um, with my Blue Cheese Connect. Um, and for those of you that don't know, I think I mentioned this last week, um, you know, Black Bear Diner makes their own. And this is not a plug for them. I'm just telling you my own life experience, life on life terms right now. Um, but Black Bear Diner uh, does make their own <laughs> in-house blue cheese dressing. And it is, it's, it's life-changing, to be honest. Um, so next time you're out, get a salad. Uh, stay healthy, and I hope that you guys have a wonderful evening. Um, but the show is going to continue, so don't jump off just because I'm leaving. Um, I'm, I'm expecting you to wear a black bear uh, yes. t-shirt next week. I'm going to have and I'm going to have a staff. I'm going to ask them for a staff ID um, name tag that says black bear with my name on it. And I'll, I'm seriously because she's the manager, and so she can make dreams happen. <laughs> Enjoy some fellowship, Carl. 
<laughs> Thank you for coming. We love yeah, having you. You're welcome, Matt. It was a pleasure meeting you, Ashley. Always pleasure. lovely to see you, Brett. It's been tolerable. <laughs> All right. Is that guys. a beard joke you can throw in yeah, before you yeah, leave? Yeah, tolerable. Fear the beard. Easy. I got your back. Bro. Yeah, yeah. Uh oh, <laughs> Ashley, they're going to gang up on you if I leave. Are you? Yeah. Don't let them. Don't let them push you around. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> don't let them. They're, tougher they're, than hockey, I look. they're hockey fans, so don't let their hockey jokes fool you. I'm a football fan. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good night. Bye. See you, good Carl. One. Enjoy that, that salad dressing. Oh, I will. Life hey, it's got me hungry. Yes. <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, since we kind of have a little lull, I'm gonna I'm gonna segue to uh, the December birthdays, and Jr. is supposed to be putting a January birthday post up on the Facebook page. So if you guys want to be included on that birthday list, uh, comment on that. And I'm going to go ahead and roll the video real quick, and we can recognize some people celebrating in December. And obviously, Matt is celebrating 11 years today. So congratulations to Matt. I don't have you on this video because it's the December <laughs> one, um, but I'll add you for I'll the January on one. one. I'll, I'll put you on the January one. So here's here's the video, guys. of december that's awesome and if you guys are looking for unique recovery gifts coins etc be sure to check out doing it sober.com yeah i love that website name just throwing that out it's a good one it's a good one for sure I was jamming to your music, Brett. Just so you know. Yeah, I was getting down. Congratulations to all the December birthdays. Yeah, and remember, if you want to be on the January list, keep an eye out for that post from JR. I think he said he was going to pin it on the top of the page. So keep an eye out for that. I was thinking about what you said about people answering the phone being in mm -hmm. recovery. And I think it it's worth pointing out for, for those listening that are in recovery that there's certified recovery peer specialists 
as well that you can you can do that as well. You could use do it as an occupation. You can do it volunteer. I'm a certified recovery peer specialist. I use it to volunteer, and it just lets you know, like people know that you're in recovery too. Yeah, peer specialists are huge. Uh, I'm involved in a uh, a coalition here in Missouri called MoPros, and it's it's all about uh, kind of the the power that a peer specialist can have in a treatment setting or really any setting, you know, attached to kind of the, you know, recovery landscape, because I didn't really trust anyone unless they had walked where I walked. They, they knew how I felt and they could, they thought like I thought it was, it was recovery people that um, really got me to take a second look at this thing and give it a chance. And uh, that's where I think, you know, peer specialists are, are just such a powerful position, um, you know, for helping these people either on the phone in a treatment setting um, or, or wherever. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Yeah, just everywhere. I mean, there's people that will come to you and tell you that they're in recovery that wouldn't tell anybody else and just any occupation in any industry, being able to be there to be a support for someone is huge. Agreed. And like for my recovery, I've said this before, being able to give back is what keeps me sober. So without service, I don't know that I'd be where I was today or where I am today. So it's it builds self-confidence. It builds connections. It's done more for me than I've done for anybody else. I can guarantee you that. And the service aspect, it feels good too, you know, to get out of myself. Um, I was talking to to one of my guys the other day. Um, I was sick for a few days and I wasn't able to be out at the house. And um, I was talking to him on the phone for like a little over an hour. And he he said, uh, I'm sorry that I'm bothering you. And I was like, dude, you are saving me by allowing me to be a service to you. And um you know, service work is what I've learned the most from um, taking those phone calls, um, going to 12 step calls, sponsoring people, um, random acts of kindness, making coffee, you know, whatever it was, right? Like <laughs> I learned a ton from it. It, it allowed me to be more involved in it and um, helping other people just, you know, for people that don't understand it, it feels, it feels great. You know, and we're so much in here constantly that when we're of service, we're not in there. Mm. And, um, you know, it's just a huge aspect to to recovery, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I totally agree with that. And just getting out of that self-centeredness. And that was something that I didn't even realize in the beginning was such a huge part. And I didn't even, I feel like I almost got tricked into service because I started attending yeah. meetings and, and I got a commitment without really knowing it. Cause they were like, Hey, we need somebody to make a pot of coffee at the beginning of the meeting. You think you could show up a few minutes early and do that? I'm like, yeah, sure. And didn't even realize like, Oh, I'm being of service. I have to show up a few minutes early. That gives me time to talk to people and like network and stuff. And I didn't even realize that that I was being of service and making those connections with other people. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge part of recovery for me. And I think it is for, for 
at least everybody that's that's on the live stream tonight i don't know about everybody that's watching but i know for everybody that's on here like we're all of service in some way and i think that's a huge part of our recovery huge and like somebody signed me up like like you to like be a greeter i think that was my first commitment i may have set up chairs before that but um hey can you come a few minutes early and just you know check on people when they come in and just whatever and then i had a commitment for six months <laughs> and i loved it you know because i as someone with social anxiety you would never know it now but that's mostly because of you know aa and na um you know to share in a meeting in front of people to 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 tell my story at a meeting or to to greet people at the door was such a daunting task and now it's it's a part of me i love that part of it yeah i agree it's it's one of those things the first time i went and spoke in front of a meeting i was so nervous and the whole time i was nervous but to be able to go up there and be 100 percent yourself and 100 percent honest like in a way and people accept that you just get something different out of it i know you know at the beginning you get something different out of meetings when you first start going and then you get to a point where you, you like plateau and if you don't take it up a notch you risk going the opposite way because there's only so much you can get from just going and not participating and um so then when you have to work on these things that are hard for yourself and that are scary it and it just you get something completely different from the meeting or the group that you did before so if you feel like you're growing out of your group, maybe try a different experience inside your group. Yeah, be a reader. Or like I did uh, uh, back to basics trainings uh, last year where we, we were on Zoom doing the four one-hour sessions to go through the steps in a month. And I had gone through it before just as a participant. And then for several months, I was facilitating the meetings and I learned way more from going through, you know, all the information in and out of the book and just, you know, I, I became such so much more knowledgeable and was able to learn so much more from that, you know, or reading in a book meeting. Um, you know, sometimes you do popcorn or whatever, but um, for mine, you pick a reader reading. You know, it's it's crazy what you can get by just being willing to do something a little extra in a meeting. It's true. And I was I was terrified of reading in front of yeah. people when I first started, man. I hated it. I think that goes back to that social anxiety that you were talking about. And I think I still <laughs> suffer from that. Ashley and I were talking about it. I think that was yesterday. And we were both like, yeah, I, I prefer um not to have my video on like uh, the podcast <laughs> i started is audio only and that's where i'm more comfortable than with a camera where people can see me and and i feel like i'm like i have to like sit a certain way and like act a certain way and i don't know i'm and i'm not good at like looking at the camera i'm terrible with that and yeah so this this too is being of service and getting me out of my comfort zone because it's something that i'm not used to and something that i'm definitely not comfortable with <laughs> and I that think is it's, true it's a hard adjustment when 
you know, you use substances to, to numb or to, you know, get excitement depending on what you're using your substance for. But I know I used pain medicine and it was numbing and I was able to be around people because it numbed that anxiety. It, I didn't feel it. So then, you know, when I stopped using them, you feel everything about a million times more. And it's, it's a really hard adjustment. Definitely. Well, should we, uh, should we do the, uh, the hoodie giveaway? What do you guys think? I think we should. I hope somebody put, put it in for me. Cause that's a pretty sweet hoodie. I got to well, say you, you have, you can comment on there and you can enter yourself as well. I don't have, I don't have the stream open. It's cool. I'll get, I'll, I'll share this time. I'll buy my own. How about that? Okay. All right. So I'll, I'll throw the picture back up there again. So everybody can see the awesome hoodie that we're giving away and I'll get us some fun music going. And let me hit this little draw button over here. I need, I need like some drum roll. I can't do it. All right, Vincent. Vincent is the winner of the hoodie tonight. Nice. Awesome. Vincent, congratulations, man. Oh boy, Vincent. I was cheering for you. He's on day two. This is a celebration for his second day. Right. I'm gonna go ahead and put. I'm gonna go ahead and put it in the comments so later I can remember that he won. And we oh, can I'll remind you if you forget. <laughs> oh yeah, we're celebrating Vincent. Right. And Jessica, we're celebrating Jessica yep. too. Jessica, a couple of days. Mm-hmm. It's so exciting to me to see that because. Like the whole world's in front of you. It's your oyster. It's what we do. It's why we do it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, for them. You know, the the newcomer, the most important person in any room. That's right. In this this virtual live, which is so cool that um, you know that they joined. I I loved seeing that. You know, even 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 though I have eleven years now, it's I still feel close you know, to that person. I can remember how it felt. Uh, it gets better. Both you guys. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And it's awesome that they were able to find the online communities. Cause I, I don't think I even found recovery social media pages for a couple of years into my recovery. So it's awesome that with a couple of days they found, they found us. That's awesome. Yeah. And if you guys ever don't think you're worth it, you definitely are. Oh, yes. Absolutely. JR said, congrats, Vincent. Mm-hmm. See, we're all cheering for you. So if there's ever a day you don't think you can do it, just remember, we think you can do it. On the stay stopped hoodie, and just remember you can do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember the three redheads on the screen, <laughs> for you. Uh, yeah, in our own podcast, that's right. <laughs> Gingers in recovery, that would be a pretty rowdy bunch if we got a bunch more. <laughs> Imagine those, that'd be pretty crazy. I'm sure yeah, we, could, we could find a couple. Oh, yeah. 
I know a few. Me too. And they're funny. You probably have an interesting show. <laughs> we might be on to something. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't Cheer talk too much about it. Someone might steal the idea and get rich off of it. We're going to start a spinoff show with Gingers and Recovery. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. And JR, since you're not a ginger, sorry. You're no, out. Just you're out, JR. You're not a ginger. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I can't wait to see what he says to that. Yeah, there's probably, I think there's a few second delay and he's probably typing frantically. We, we await your response, JR. JR, are you out buying hair dye? <laughs> oh. No fake gingers allowed. Yeah. <laughs> he says, I don't know what to say, but okay. <laughs> Is that the first time you've ever heard him be speechless? I think so. Me too. He usually has a witty response. Wait for it. He'll think of something. Pressure's on, JR. Suspense is killing me. He's, he's Googling ginger jokes right now. Oh, no. I just know it. Well, at least he's not looking at blonde jokes. There's more of those. So since you've been in recovery, what's the most interesting grouping of, since we're talking about gingers in recovery, has there been any interesting ones you've seen? Groupings? Like how? Podcasts or just oh, identifying honestly, in certain ways. Yeah, honestly, you know, the, the podcasts and the pages and all that kind of stuff is pretty new to me, but I, I know the person that, um, operates the dank recovery memes page. Okay. On Instagram. I yeah. I follow that one. It's a good one. Uh, my, my buddy, uh, he's, he's here in St. Louis. Uh, he's in recovery himself. Super, super funny page, <laughs> but that's probably like the most connected two pages that I have really like dank like d-a-n-k yeah okay I'll have to look it up I've never heard of it I think they're on Facebook and Instagram but there's some funny stuff on there like for sure bye Heather thank you for bye, coming Heather. oh man I'm Cranky surprised that me. I don't hear my uh daughter crying it's about that time to put her down <laughs> same here, in there. Same here how old is your daughter now she is uh four months four months okay so i'm a little bit ahead of you we're at a uh, month 10 i'm mm. a little bit ahead of you both i have a 12 and 13 year old does it get Man. easier no oh vincent Girls or boys? did i win yes you Girls. did win vincent Oh it, man. I, the challenges just change. They're different challenges. You don't have diapers, you don't you know, they can take a shower themselves, but there's questions that you don't know the answers to. There's people that hurt them that you want to kill. There's you know, things that you overthink because of our past <clears throat> and how do I answer this that I don't damage them and so yeah. It's worth it though. 
That's what everybody says. I'm terrified of my daughter being a teenager just because of how I was. It terrifies me. I mean, I, I can't, I mean, I love, I've loved everything thus far and I can't, uh, can't wait just to see her, you know, have a personality and like be a human, you know, like she already has like some, you know, she can smile at you and she like follows your face and stuff and like all that's really cool. But um, yeah, the, the teenage face scares me. It's scary, but then there's some things that like they say and you're just like, whoa, that came out of my kid's mouth. Like they're so, you know, supportive and yet yeah, they can have their moments. Don't get me wrong, but it's their people and, you know, the things you teach them and the experiences, you know, the experiences I've lived through that I can teach them about might prevent them from having them and or helping somebody else through them. Oh, it's kind of like what it's like what we were talking about. I think that was yesterday. Um, the having an episode about parenting and recovery. Mm-hmm. I think it can be very beneficial because that's that's terrifying. I'm I'm with you, Matt. Like the idea of her becoming a teenager is so frightening, and I, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't I don't want a future trip on it because I know that, that can be dangerous. But man, I I am truly terrified. The great thing is that being in recovery when they're so small, hopefully they'll never have to, you know, live through the the not so great stuff. Mm, um, exactly. It's one of those things with my kids. Like my daughter used to tell people, I was like, I was like two years into recovery, and she's like, my mom doesn't do drugs now, and you can tell because she's awake all the time. She used to sleep all the time, so that's how I know she doesn't do drugs. And I'm just like. This would be at like school, <laughs> conferences, like, <laughs> yeah, kids can shame you and then tell you how it is. And that's the truth. But yeah, some interesting experiences. That's for sure. Yeah, so it's you- my hope that she never has to see me see that guy I used to be, you know, I put that in my post today mm-hmm. when I was talking about, you know, my 11 years, you know? Um, and that's, that's, you know, for a long time in the, on this show, it was, you know, we were talking about fear, you know, I think maybe that, that right now is, is maybe, you know, one of those, one of those fears that I have that I got to work through, you know, I'm glad that I'm coming to that realization with you guys. <laughs> Parenting's hard. Parenting while you're in recovery and you have your own stuff to deal with is, you know, hard, but it's so rewarding to be able to give them that that fighting chance to be able to be honest about where you've been. Like, it's such a gift because there's so many people that hide it from their kids. And then this, it's a cycle a lot of times. And... I realized telling my kids the hard stuff mm-hmm. builds a resilience to for them for the hard stuff. And Amber's bringing up, you know, we were uh, house parents in a program called Joe's Place here in St. Louis, where we uh, they house homeless boys in a local school district here, and it's 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 not really 
I mean, I guess technically it's a group home, but it's like, you know, we can have four boys in the house with us. And it's more like, uh, you know, a family dynamic. And we definitely struggled with that. Um, you know, she called it dichotomy, um, rebelliousness, um, just kind of, you know, they're, they're learning by like trial and error. And so I think, you know, with them, it was me and Amber trying to model what a healthy relationship looks like for them. Cause it's a different, it was a different story for them. They don't know, um, you know, what a healthy relationships look like. We had a couple of guys that were uncomfortable eating at the dinner table with us, you know? And so I guess to some degree, I have a little bit of experience with, uh, teenagers, uh, but that, that aren't, aren't my own, but still, you know, I cared deeply for and parented for a few years. Mm. Ashley, any advice since you are the parent <laughs> of teenagers? Um, no pressure. Like Didn't want to before, put you on the spot. <laughs> like I said before, be honest about, you know, your shortcomings. If you mm. teach your children that they have to be perfect and that, perfection is you know the only standard then mm. it's you can't live up to that so when you tell them about the hard stuff when you tell them that they're good enough just the way they are it doesn't matter if you do x y or z you don't you're worth it you know it those are the things that really matter mm. Yeah. And when you're, when you were sharing that, what came to mind was just the power of example, you know, like trying to model this new way of life and show them, you know, how, how to behave and how, you know, this is, this is how I'm living now. And, and like Matt was saying, you know, I hope that my daughter never has to see me when I'm using, cause it's, I'm, I'm a totally different person. Like right now I'm a, you know, soft-spoken, mellow, easygoing guy. But like when I have, drugs in my system i'm a totally different person um you know i can be very loud and confrontational and violent and just not a fun person to be around so you know i i really do hope that that she never has to see that well you know since i'm the only girl here and you guys both have daughters i will say that fathers are you know a big example for daughters and the way you treat their mom and the the things you say to their mom is what they're going to look for in somebody one day. So, you know, that's a really important thing is, and I, I know you both do, but, you know, just have to say it, that it's, it's super important. No, I'm glad you, I'm glad that you meant, mentioned that. Cause that holds me accountable too. You know, like, um, I pride myself now with, with the way that I treat, treat Amber. She's my partner and she's, you know, my supporter and everything. And, and that's kind of what I learned at Joe's place too, was they learned more from watching us than us telling them anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so also I want to treat my wife so nice that my daughter will never find someone <laughs> that is as good. <laughs> You want her to find someone that treats her well, if, if she's no, gonna I find do. someone. I'm just, I'm no, just, just joking. You know, I just just no dating until like your mid thirties. Yeah, mid thirties. That's fine. 
I know a lot, I, there's a lot of people out there they'll, they'll like call names just in joking they'll like call their wife or their girlfriend you know the b word or you know and it's mm. you know you don't think you think you're joking you're not really calling them. they they know but the, the kids don't always know they hear that that name and they get desensitized to it true They're always watching too. They always remember. Yeah. Parenting's hard. You're raising this little person to like be able to live on their own one day. Like it's the only job that you like have that you're really like raising someone to like give them away. You know, you love this little mm. person so much and, but for them to be successful in life, they can't depend on you for everything. So mm those skills that you teach them you're giving them to them to go off one day and make the world their oyster <laughs> i'm <laughs> saying again <laughs> i'm over here future tripping <laughs> <laughs> don't do that oh man don't do that they will turn out completely different than what you expect, and it'll be a hundred times better than you could ever imagine. I have no doubt. It's so exciting. I just like thinking what they'll Miracle, be like. The miracles of recovery. What oh life will gosh, be like. They're endless. Can you imagine what the United States is going to be like in 10, 20 years? Like, I don't want a future good. trip. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're freaking bred out. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I mean, I do love Man. my like post-apocalyptic movies and stuff. So I have my ideas <laughs> of what it could be like in 10 years. But maybe people will catch on and see all these changes and make them. And well, it'll be completely different than that. Or, or we could all be fighting for gasoline at Gastown. I mean, who knows? I can get in a car accident tomorrow. You never know what's going to happen. That's but true. That's true. You got to live your life fully and be hopeful and present. Mm. Right? Yeah. That's what I struggle with sometimes. And it's, you know, and a lot of times it's like, you know, what stuff hasn't happened yet, <laughs> you know? And, uh, that's something that I'm really that I've really tried to focus on the past year. That's you know, um, I'm trying to be as present as I can be, and really just enjoy um, the life I'm living right now. You know, because I would always trip about, you know, the, you know, I got to work hard to get this job or, you know, anything really. You know, and it was always I was working towards something. I was constantly, you know, grinding, you know, school, uh, you know, grad school, jobs, internships. I was going for like a lot of years. And um, now I just want to enjoy every bit of it. I don't want to skip a beat. And, um, you know, my, my daughter's a big part of that. You know, she's why I want to be present and remember 
this time that I have with her because before I before I know it, she'll be thirteen. <laughs> and I think an important part of that too is even the bad stuff, even the sad stuff and the hard stuff. That's what mm. makes you be able to feel the good stuff. If everything was good, it would just be all the same. And oh yeah. We'd some of the bored. hardest yeah, some of the hardest stuff is what leads you to the best stuff. You just can't see it in that moment. Yeah, that's why I always said like the last couple of years struggling with COVID or whatever, um, all like the hardships, I was like, man, there is something really good coming. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but there is something really good coming because um, one, God never gives us more than we can handle, right? And two, you know, I truly believe that it's like there's no good without bad. Um, there's no, you know, victory without struggle. And, um, you know, I just, I can't wait to see what it is. <laughs> I'm excited because I see so much more empathy in the world. I see people being mm. more aware of things they weren't aware of. Um, I mean, there, there are people that are mad and, but a lot of that is trauma responses. And I think that once they start realizing that it's, you know, results of trauma that, you know, they'll come around too. it's, I'm the most hopeful that I've been probably in my whole life for just people in general. I'm excited. True. Yeah, we, got, we have to do better. We've got these kids that we need to give a better chance to. Exactly. Awesome. Well, does anybody in the comments have any questions? for Matt or myself or for Ashley. This should be interesting. I see JR's comment about Thunderdome. He got my reference. Thank you, <laughs> thank you JR. Are you a Chiefs fan? I am a Chiefs fan. I'm sorry about yesterday. <laughs> it was a tough loss. Yeah. Uh, Joe Burrow played great. I, you know, I, I love pretty much any and all sports, but um, that was that was a tough one to swallow, considering we won eight in a row. Yep, but when you win next time, it'll feel better because you had a loss. Uh, that's where okay, I see I see where uh, you, were, uh, you were going with that. Okay, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, so I'm used to losses, and I'm used but to man, the wins feeling really good. You guys are high flying. You guys beat us earlier in the year. We, last year was amazing. I'm hoping that we end on that kind of note this year, but go a little bit further. But you never Kevin. know. Always making it easy on me, Kevin. How did you do it? <laughs> one day at a time. Uh, right? Yeah, one day at a time, buddy. Yeah, I mean, you know as well as I do. Um, you know, I, I did it with a lot of help. And I did it by showing up even when I didn't want to. And, you know, by, by constant self-exploration and betterment. And, um, you know, I did it with people like you um, in those meetings. And, uh, you know, I, I had the opportunity to go to treatment and I had the opportunity to go to sober living and, and all that was great. I had a great foundation and support system, but at the end of the day, what kept me sober 11 years? People like you, buddy. 
being there with me so that I can be of service. Well said. Well said. Any other questions? Uh Questions. Oh, he's giving you the 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 strong arm. Yeah, that's that's my buddy right there. And it's awesome to see people that that are here to support you, man. Like I love. That's what I love about the recovery community. It doesn't matter like what it is that we do. There's always people that are there to support us. Like I'll, I'll have people from my home group that'll be in the comments some weeks mm-hmm. commenting. It's just awesome just to see just like the new family that we get in recovery. It really is. A, it's a blessing. Like I don't know how else to say it, man. Like we get <clears throat> just such strong connections with other people that have been through similar situations to us. Oh yeah. And it's the family you choose, right? You know, like, um, you know, one of the things I probably struggle with the most when I'm working with new guys is sometimes they really are kind of turned off to, you know, 12 step programs. And they're like, I went to a meeting this time, this one time, and this guy said something and it really, I didn't like it. So I didn't go, you know, I didn't want to go back. And, um, I was like, man, you just got to find your people. And once you find your people, you know, like if I, if I don't show up to a meeting, people are going to ask me what's up, you know, and I'm going to get some phone calls throughout the week asking me how I'm doing. If there's, if there's an inkling that something's not right, (laughs) you know, they, they constantly are able to understand what I'm going through where uh, a typical person would not, you know, it's the, it's that those people that we find that help us along and allows us to be part of something bigger. Mm. And that's what I loved about it too, man. I really do. Yep. And you got to hang in there. Cause I know during treatment, I didn't find my people. I didn't drink no. coffee. I didn't smoke. So I was, you know, I was an outcast. I, because I did pain medicine, they didn't think that I was street enough for, you know, I'd get made fun of for that because I, I was faking my addiction Mm. and um, or, you know, they would tell their stories and I'd be empathetic and, but you don't know what it's like to sell your body or do this or that. And it's, it's, it's really hard to, to be in that situation, but you will find your people and you'll find people that you will reach with your story, no matter what it is. Mm Mm-hmm. We need people, all different types of people. Oh, yeah. We're not a glum lot. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I, I kind of fell into that same category, too, as, as you, Ashley, where I, I, felt, I felt a little bit of that, like, imposter syndrome because I never used needles. And, like, a lot of people, when I first came in the rooms, were always talking about shooting up, and it's like, oh, I've, I've never done that, like... But, but I still, you know, but then at the same time, I was like trying to justify it. Like, yeah, but my rock bottom was still pretty, pretty low. Like, you know, I felt like I had to like almost exaggerate my story a little bit to like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm big and bad too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think we've, you know, and it's always like, I struggled coming in young with the judgment of man, 
I spilled, I spilled more than you ever drank or I, you mm. know, I did, you know, I did more harder drugs and I, you know, and, uh, really, you know, just, just not for me. Like I, you know, I ended up finding my people and we have old, young addicts, alcoholics, like <laughs> we are together, you know? Oh, here we go. One meeting without one of one of our regular members. Phone will be ringing, and it'll be Kevin. I know it will. <laughs> That's but awesome. it's crazy when you know someone comes and looks for you because it's, we had this life for so long where it didn't feel like anyone cared, and if we don't show up somewhere, someone's calling. And at, sometimes at first it's a little bit much, but once you get used to it, it's amazing. Thank you for saying that, Christy. That's hundred percent true. You know, I don't, I don't want um, anyone at at my meeting, whether it's AA or NA or wherever you go, to be excluded. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We're addicts, alcoholics. We're all there for the same reason. And um, you know, I'll identify as an alcoholic and an addict. I qualify for both fellowships. I qualify for any twelve step meeting I can walk into, pretty much. Like, <laughs> like. Um, that's a hundred percent true. And I want to normalize that, you know. And every substance comes with its own challenges. I know like for me with it being pain medicine, you know, I'm like, what if I ever need surgery one day? Like, how do I, you know, so it's, mm. there's different challenges that I might have that somebody, you know, that used a different substance would have, I don't have, the issue like the grocery store going to the grocery store i've heard people say that the bottles talk to them when they go to the grocery store mm. and i can't imagine how hard that must be to have to see it every day when you're just doing your regular shopping so there's there's struggles and challenges no matter what substance yeah my my drug is more um mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what what do you got i want more uh, you know like and that, that's one of the things, too, and that I'm glad you brought up about surgery. It's one of the things that scares the death out of my parents. If I ever need surgery, will I be able to take the medication? You know, like, or, or how will that happen? Because we've known so many people that once they get a taste, that's it. You know, and unfortunately, you know, it, it happened to, you know, there was a mentor of mine at the time, had a lot of sobriety and, uh, had surgery and got a taste and, and, and unfortunately he didn't make it. Um, but that being said, there's always a way through it. Um, we have to, we have to lean on our network when that happens. And, um, you know, I truly believe that it doesn't matter, you know, what it is. If I, if I ever need surgery, cool, you know, like my wife will handle it. My wife has more sobriety than all of us. She's never, had a had a drink in her life, if you can believe it, like, <laughs> wow, which is which is crazy, but but yeah, you know that's that's scary, you know. And there's challenges for all of us, different drugs of choice. Um, you know, alcoholics is you can go to a gas station, and uh, it's staring you at the face in the face. You know, um, we have to be stronger with each other than they are. Well, and 
it was, I wasn't even at a year in recovery when I had to get my gallbladder out. And that was a scary thing for me. And I was able to do it completely narcotic free. And I think I healed 10 times faster than I would have otherwise. But I think it's important to note too, that that doesn't mean that every situation you don't take pain medicine if it's what you need in the situation, but have people yeah. you can depend on in a plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did it. I did it with wisdom teeth. Yeah, I, I had a year sober and uh, got my wisdom teeth taken out. They almost begged me to take take the meds home too. I was like, mm -hmm. I was like, no, uh-uh, no, even, no, mm-mm. Ibuprofen and popsicles, man. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had a similar situation to that as well. I I broke my thumb uh, pretty early on, and I was living back at home with my parents. And I remember the doctor was like trying to force me the script. I'm like, I don't want it. And like, I think he gave it to my mom. And we got in the car, and my mom was like, I'm gonna hang on to this script. And I was like, I don't care what you do with it. Rip it up, burn it. I don't want it. Like, I'm not I'm not interested mm -hmm. in that. Yep. That's, that's that's the beauty of, of the community though like going back to that whole concept of support and community we can find other people that have been through those situations and and ask them how they did it you know that's I, I've I've had family members that have passed away and and some of the people that I turned to were people that have shared in meetings like you know my daughter died or my mom died or whoever you know and then then I'm looking for them like hey I'm going through what you went through how did you do it and it gives something back to them too because it, mm -hmm. it makes that pain have a purpose even though it's it doesn't negate the pain but at least there's something good that comes out of the pain being able to help you through that situation and i'm going to be calling ashley hey my teenager's doing this what do i do <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and i I'm probably going to say, I don't know, but you could try this. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was a way to know, like, 100% this will work or it won't. But I guess that's the great part of parenting is that there's no manual and there's no right or wrong answer. I guess that's true about life too, right? No manual, no right or wrong answer. That's right. Yep. That's my uh, father-in-law's um, thing that he liked to say. Kid, kids don't come with a manual. <laughs> Dr. Know? Spock was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Even though there's thousands of them at the bookstore. I did. I, I did. Mean, I read one of the, one of the parenting books, like going into it and like read the sections of like, what do you expect when your wife's pregnant and all this stuff. And I was like, I don't feel like any of this is accurate at all. <laughs> No, because they're all their own people. And exactly. Every experience is different too. You come to it with different expectations and experiences, and so it makes it interesting. Absolutely. Well, guys, we're almost at two hours. You wanna wanna wrap it up? I know I got a Let's little one that's ready to go to bed. Yeah, I'm gonna and have Matt to get on too. that as well. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much. Oh, what's up, Michael? 
Today, I realize that addiction is when visible things become my source. Then my life becomes unmanageable. Great show. Thank you. Michael, he is also... He's also yeah, in the awesome. Dallas area, and he does a live stream on Facebook that's a recovery-related stream. I don't remember which day of the week it comes on, but I met him a couple years ago. He's an awesome guy. So shout out to Michael. Everybody go check shout out the out. M to the Rock Facebook page. He puts on some great shows, so check him out. Michael, put in a plug on the day that we can listen or watch. We'll yeah, check throw it out. in the comments, man. That's awesome. And Matt, thank you for coming on tonight, man. Congratulations again. 11 years sober today. That's incredible, man. And it, it's awesome that it worked out where you were able to come on the live stream on your sober birthday. Like, that's that's so awesome, man. When we were talking about it back and forth, then, yeah. and then you're like, oh, January 3rd. That's my sober birthday. It's like, oh, dude, we got to do it on January 3rd. That's, yeah. that's incredible that it came out that way, man. And he said to, tomorrow oh, is the one year anniversary, day. right? Of your business? Oh yeah, yeah, and tomorrow, yeah. I so I started uh, learn to live a year ago, tomorrow. So, lots of lots of fun uh, celebrating the next couple of days. But yeah, when when we did the podcast, it was super cool how everything lined up. I had to do it. What what better way to celebrate it and show people it's possible than than uh, to come on here and talk about it? Absolutely, man. Eleven years. That's that's incredible, man. That's wow. Next year, we're going to have to get cake, ice cream cake, so that I can sit here and eat ice cream cake to celebrate. Oh, that's, that sounds good. Okay, let's talk to JR. I think every time we roll the birthday <laughs> video every week, I think we should be eating cake, and I think he should provide it. <clears throat> what do you think, JR? It's a good excuse to eat cake. Yeah, we could, just, we, could, we could get like some little small ones or something. Let's find a spot. No. JR, find, find us a sponsor for cake. Yep, I'm going to need that. I'm gonna be back, back for that. <laughs> Everyone's sure. gonna want to come on the show and eat cake, right? <laughs> and sing happy birthday. We're gonna have to oh, find yeah. some people that can sing. Oh, Jr. said gluten free. No, thank you, Jr. I'm no, no. I haven't gotten to that phase of my recovery where I'm into working out yet. I'm still in the eating phase of my recovery. Mm. <laughs> I think I'll always be in the eating phase of my recovery. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you, Chrissy. Appreciate that. Thank you for supporting us, commenting. I remember Vincent and Jessica one day at a time and yeah. everybody else. And we'll Enjoy get with you. Hoodie too. Yeah, we'll mm-hmm. get with you after the show and get your, your info for the hoodie, Vincent. So, yeah. And um, don't forget that JR is going to be making a post on the Facebook page if you want to be included in the January Sober Birthdays um put your date in the comments and you'll be added to the list and we'll be doing a january video probably on the next live stream but i don't know it depends on how quick jr is to make that post oh already posted look at that he's calling me out he already did it i missed it but find the find the post hopefully he pinned it to the top of the page leave your dates on there and we'll put together another video for january birthdays and celebrate hopefully jr gets us some delicious cake to eat on the show that would be really cool and um yeah chocolate chocolate makes everything better jr chocolate does make everything better and as always guys i'm brett i have another podcast called recovery survey i got new episodes every wednesday this week we're going to be talking about 
grief and loss in recovery. So um, it's it's a tough episode, um, but it's definitely definitely one that you don't want to miss out on. If you stay in recovery long enough, chances are you're going to lose somebody, and you know it's it's helpful to have the tools um, to deal with that when that comes up. So not a fun episode, but but a lot of good information there. So be sure to check that out, Matt. Thank you again. Congratulations on 11 years. That is phenomenal. Um, I'll throw his, uh, I'll throw this back up there. So if anybody wants to find more on Matt, you can scan a little QR code and it'll take you to all of his social medias and such. You can find out all about Matt there. And Happy Ashley. birthday, Matt. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Congratulations, Thank man. You for, Thank you for letting us celebrate with you. Oh, it was a blast. Yeah, yeah. thanks for being Anytime. of service. Being of service on his birthday. That's what it's all about. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. We will see you again next week. Uh, and as always, we're going to have the audio version of tonight's live stream. It'll be up in about an hour or so after the broadcast ends. And you can rewatch or share this video in a few minutes after we finish, after Facebook does the little processing or whatever it is that Facebook does, it'll be available to rewatch or share there. And if you're interested in the audio version, just search recovery revolution live on your favorite podcast player. And until next week, remember progress, not perfection.